Welcome back to Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin. I'm Gavin Fish. Our goal here is to actually solve crimes. And today we're continuing Treated Like Trash, our investigation into the 2008 death of Amanda Winkowski. This is a case that should enrage you. And not only because of the brutal way that Amanda was killed, but because of the brutality with which Erie County, New York, treated her family as they sought justice for Amanda their daughter, sister, and friend. If this is the first time you've heard about this case, I suggest you go back and watch or listen to the previous four episodes. In them, you'll discover that police believed that Amanda Winkowski was murdered by a man named Antoine Garner, but that he was never prosecuted because the Erie County Medical Examiner's Office, for some inexplicable reason, ruled her death an accidental opioid overdose. Please subscribe if you haven't already, because even after 12 years of seeking justice for Amanda, this ride is just getting started. Today, we're going to ignore most of the facts of the case, not because they're unimportant, but because we've come to the realization that none of them matter unless we can get past this one simple thing, that nothing will change in this case unless we can prove that Amanda Winkowski did not die of an opioid overdose. So forget that Amanda was found naked and frozen solid in a Buffalo, New York trash can. Forget that she had strangulation bruises on her neck. Forget that her neck was crushed. Forget that those injuries weren't included in the autopsy report done by Erie County Medical Examiner Diane Verdes. Forget that Erie County concealed the neck injuries by not putting her neck organs, including her larynx, trachea, tongue, and hyoid bone, into the bag of other organs that were buried with Amanda's body. Forget that Erie County fought tooth and nail when Amanda's mom sued to get access to Amanda's neck organs. Forget that Amanda was last seen entering the house of Antoine Garner. Forget that Antoine Garner had a history of strangling and raping women. Forget all of it. For the rest of this episode, we're going to be laser focused on one task. We're going to prove that Amanda Winkowski did not die of an opioid overdose. And the funny thing is, it's not even going to be hard. So stick around. This is Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin. The first thing you need to know is that Amanda Winkowski's drug of choice, the drug that she was addicted to and that her body had become dependent on, was heroin. But she had recently cleaned up with the help of her mom and she had enrolled in classes at Niagara County Community College. We're going to talk chemistry here for a minute. And we're going to keep it simple because that's the level at which I understand it. But specifically, I want to talk about what happens to heroin when it gets into the human body. In Amanda's case, she injected it directly into the bloodstream. Heroin is almost the exact same thing as morphine. The difference is that there are two acetyl groups in heroin molecules that aren't in morphine. These groups work to increase the half-life of the molecule, making heroin's effects last longer than morphine. Now, when heroin enters the body, one of the acetyl groups gets hydrolyzed spontaneously. No metabolism has taken place in the way that most of us think of it. 
What I mean is no enzymes make this happen. Basically, it just gets wet, and that converts the heroin molecule into what's called a monoacetylmorphine. Specifically, it's either 6-monoacetylmorphine or 3-monoacetylmorphine, depending on which acetyl group gets hydrolyzed. Next, enzymes in the blood, liver, and brain catalyze that second acetyl group, and the 6- or 3-monoacetylmorphine is then converted into morphine. Morphine then binds to the opioid receptors in the brain, which triggers the release of dopamine. And that makes the user feel an intense rush of euphoria, among other sensations. Many people don't know this, but the human body actually produces morphine itself, but at very low levels. When high levels of morphine are introduced to the body, there's a detection system that knows there's too much morphine in it. So it starts toward getting rid of the drug by flushing it out through the urinary system. And this is why urine drug tests are commonly used by opioid recovery clinics as a way to know if a patient has been using heroin. They look for two things in the urine. You guessed it, morphine and monoacetylmorphine. Usually toxicology labs test for six monoacetylmorphine. Now there are a lot of variables that go into the metabolism of heroin, but in general, morphine is flushed out of the system through the urinary tract in about seven days. Six monoacetylmorphine, however, is completely flushed out of the system in about 24 hours. So when heroin recovery clinics test a patient's urine and they find six monoacetylmorphine in that urine, they know that their patient has taken heroin sometime in the previous 24 hours. Now, forensic toxicology labs are full of very smart people with lots of experience. So they have standard tests that they use to test the blood, bile, brain tissue, liver tissue, gastric contents, and yes, the urine of the bodies of the victims that come into the medical examiner's office. See what's listed very first right there? 6-monoacetylmorphine. And look, 6-monoacetylmorphine is something that they were looking for on Amanda's toxicology report. It came back negative, which means no 6-monoacetylmorphine was in Amanda's urine. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking if Amanda Winkowski's urine didn't have any 6-monoacetylmorphine in it, then she couldn't have overdosed on heroin. And you're right. But I also know what lawyers are thinking right now. They're thinking, I could make the argument that her urine didn't have 6-monoacetylmorphine in it because it metabolized into morphine between the time she died and the time her body was found. Lawyers think that way. And yes, they could make that argument. But let me tell you the reason why that argument is stupid. First, remember that heroin is hydrolyzed into 6-monoacetylmorphine. It doesn't require any enzyme to do that, just add water. In order to metabolize further from 6-monoacetylmorphine into morphine, enzymes from red blood cells or brain or liver tissue must be present. Also remember that Amanda was found frozen solid. That means that her urine was frozen too. And that freezing process keeps metabolites and other compounds from degrading. 
In fact, one study shows that if you keep 6-monoacetylmorphine at sub-zero temperatures, it stores perfectly fine for up to 18 years. So the fact that Amanda was, was found frozen supports the evidence that she could not have taken heroin in the last 24 hours of her life, making it impossible for her to have overdosed. Rick, don't you think the medical examiner's office should have or would have caught this? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we've, there have been uh, toc toxicologists and, uh, um, and pathologists prior to our involvement in this case who have corroborated what, what you're finding. And, and you did a deep dive, you know, uh, learned a lot on this, uh, on this, especially this episode. Um, and then recently, we can't say the name just yet, but recently we found uh, we were put in touch with yet another toxicologist uh, and they said the same thing. I mean, it's uh, so there's, it's hard to say if it was a, a mishap, you know, uh, that the Emmy's office had a bad day or if it was, you know, obviously there's some people that that consider this a, a cover up. Um, I don't know. If, if it's a cover-up, is it a cover-up for incompetence or something to do with Amanda herself? Yeah. So if we go down the path of let's give them the benefit of the doubt, um, which I'm not inclined to do on this because it's so glaringly obvious, but let's say we go down the path of giving them the benefit of the doubt. It was after the Christmas holiday where nobody in the Emmy's office was working and, uh, so when they came back to work, Amanda was found when they had like literally, well, not literally, but they had bodies piling up in the ME's office, right? They had, they had okay. a big workload. Can That's I, can giving I them the benefit something? of the doubt. Sure. Can I interject something though? Mm -hmm. Why were there four signatures? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. That doesn't, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. If they're so busy, why did they all take the time to read and sign the document? That's what you're saying. I, I because that's not normal. We've, we've asked plenty of people and that's not a normal thing. Yeah. So if we go down the other side of things, we're, we're going to hold them to account for the hose up that happened here. The question then becomes why were they like, like you said, were they covering up their own incompetence or was there something a little more sinister involved? And what do you think about that? Well, you know, I've had this stance all along since we, uh, you know, took on this case and and uh, and saw all the details and spoke with people involved in the case, including Amanda's mom. Um, the uh, the thing that I think was going on is that, um, and this is not disparaging Amanda at all. Uh, I've always said that I think that the Emmy's office and possibly, you know, uh, people above the Emmy's office or involved in the Emmy's office that could influence them. I think they maybe saw Amanda as this, you know, junkie. Uh, homeless prostitute kind of a thing and and mm -hmm. they see this all the time and they're just going to sign off on it as a as a drug overdose and just not deal with it and what they didn't realize was that amanda had a mom who was going to sink her teeth this into this thing and never let go and that's exactly what's happened that's why you and i are here and so uh so i think i think it was something that they were just trying to sweep under the rug because it was just another fill in the blank right mm -hmm. um and i think since then they've they've been holding you know steadfast to their original report because they don't want that to come out they don't want to show incompetence so they're they're taking that 
moving forward. You know, you know that saying when uh, someone's got their back to the wall, the only way they can go is forward. That's right. kind of how I feel this this case has been handled by the ME's office. So we've been in contact with the private toxicologist. And uh, one of the questions that I had, do you remember that there was an interview with Dr. Virtus uh, from, I think it was Channel 4 in Buffalo. And she right. said, does this rise to the level of overdoses? This, does this meet the threshold? I'm not getting it her quoting her right but it was basically that question and then she goes yes yes it does and so i asked that question of the toxicologist and he went what is she talking about first of all there is no threshold because everybody is so vastly different but if you look at amanda winkowski and look at the things that were in her body uh no at best it's it's um levels like therapy levels it's therapeutic and i thought maybe yeah. something that we could do i have up here on my other screen i'll, sh I'll show it uh the actual toxicology report that uh, right. came in on the 27th of january so uh, now did uh correct me if i'm wrong did leslie uh, amanda's mom did she have to fight in court to get this or did they oh, give this yes to her? no they okay. did not so give that's this what to I thought. Her. so see again right from the beginning it seemed that they were you know wanting to hide something and and you know it feels rick that like these files never get out unless a case is closed they never get out and so i yeah I, i'm with you i think they thought they'll never see this they'll never see they'll never see any of it so okay right. so there there are a couple things um that we've that we've learned on this and so you'll see that you know they they tested for benzodiazepines for fentanyl for oxycodone and this word that I'm just not even going to try to, to figure out. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I've been so impressed with all these new words, you know. Sympathomimetics? Is, is that what that's? I don't, I don't know how to say that. Now, I don't know. I don't those know all came back talking. negative except for the cannabinoids. And as we go down, she did test positive for cannabis. But um, the toxicologist that we've been in touch with, his opinion is that she hadn't had marijuana for several days, maybe even up to a week. Right. Um, I'm, I'm going to come back to this one, but if, if we go past to the volatiles here, it says ethanol. Uh, she did have ethanol in her blood and urine, but he believes, and actually Dr. Virtus believed that that happened post-mortem. That is something that happens in the human body uh, yeah. after, after we die. In another toxicology report, which I don't have up right now, but a supplemental report, they tested for GHB, gamma hydroxybutyrate, which is something that we all know is a date rape drug. And Rick, right. when you and I first got that case and we saw the GHB, we were like, oh no, right? right? But his opinion on that one is also that there's such low levels and GHB happens naturally as part of the decomposition pro process. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, who knew, right? I mean, that's, right. Uh, but that's very interesting. That's why we're doing this stuff and why you did the deep dive, um, because it's 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 a good way for us to explain to the viewers. And and again, the viewers on this show, uh, what we're hoping to do is get them as infuriated as we are and as as uh, Amanda's family and, and uh, friends are, you know, um, but you have to explain it to people so it doesn't get, you know, misconstrued uh, in the process. But um, I do want to mention one thing about Dr. Veritas in that interview you were, you were talking about. Um, she was also playing politics in that video. She, she really was, was mentioning the second uh, pathologist who did, you know, the second autopsy uh, on behest of the of the family. Um, and they had to fight for that. And uh, and the ME's office 
including Dr. Verdes, were not cooperating as as professionals should. No, you know, uh, there was stuff that was missing and they had to fight to get it. And then they had to have babysitters at the ME's office to go through it. I mean, what is going on in this case? But she had mentioned had lied uh, about the the second autopsy, saying uh, that uh, uh, what this other doctor claimed, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, uh, uh, she didn't even back it up with with photographs. And we know that there were plenty of photographs. The, oh, there sure were. There was tons. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, she was playing politics for sure, thinking probably, hey, this will never get out. Nobody's ever going to be able to fact check me on this. Let me that's get right. back to the uh, toxicology report, because there is something that's that's important. Um, let me see. Get up here to uh, to this part of the test right here. Now, now this six monocetylmorphine we've talked about in the video, it came back negative, but Amanda's urine did come back positive for morphine and codeine. Now, morphine is a um, metabolite of heroin, mm -hmm. as we all know. It's also a metabolite of codeine. So, right. um, so it and, doesn't mean she was shooting up before she died. Well, we know that she was not at least twenty-four hour, within 24 hours of the time that she died. But right. we also have learned that... Amanda actually had a prescription for Tylenol with codeine in the week right. leading up to her death. She had, um, she was in pain, uh, because of some other injury and, and she took Tylenol with codeine number three. Now, when we talked with, uh, with our toxicologist friend and he looked at these le uh, levels right here, yeah. Uh, he said, yeah, those are therapeutic levels. It makes sense. Right. So yep. that is, and, and codeine is not a metabolite of heroin. Right. So, so, you know, all the way around, if, um, uh, if Dr. Verdes claims that, do these rise to the level of, you know, does it cross the threshold of overdosing? Yes, it does. That is absolutely demonstrably false. Yes. And it seems like every, I mean, you know, and there's been toxicologist reports, you know, we shoot, we showed in uh, previous videos that, uh, so it's not just this one toxicologist. It seems to be universal that everybody agrees that, that uh, uh, she did not overdose that night. Guys, medical examiner's offices don't make mistakes like this. You and I may not have known prior to this video that the absence of 6-monoacetylmorphine in Amanda's urine means she didn't overdose. But the four pathologists, the educated and experienced medical doctors, the very ones who signed off on that sloppy autopsy report that you can find on our website, solvecrimes.tv, those guys, they knew. So let's go back to the beginning of this video. Remember when I told you to forget that Amanda was found naked and frozen solid in a Buffalo, New York trash can? To forget that she had strangulation bruises on her neck? To forget that her neck was crushed? To forget that those injuries weren't included in the autopsy report done by Erie County Medical Examiner Diane Virtis, which was signed by three other pathologists? To forget that Erie County concealed the neck injuries by not putting her neck organs, including her larynx, trachea, 
tongue and hyoid bone into the bag of other organs that were buried with Amanda's body. To forget that Erie County fought tooth and nail when Amanda's mom sued to get access to Amanda's neck organs. To forget that Amanda was last seen entering the house of Antoine Garner. To forget that Antoine Garner had a history of strangling and raping women. Remember that? I take it back. We can't forget any of it. Now that we know beyond doubt that Amanda didn't die of an overdose and that we can prove it, the Erie County Medical Examiner's Office must change Amanda's cause of death from accidental overdose to homicide by strangulation. And the Erie County District Attorney must prosecute the person responsible. I believe, and the Buffalo PD certainly believed when they were investigating the case, that it's Antoine Garner. Help us put pressure on both offices, the DA and the ME. Let's just make this injustice go away. Please join Amanda's army by visiting her case page on our website, solvecrimes.tv, and by clicking that Join Now button at the top of the page. My name is Gavin Fish, and this is Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin.